Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Uh, if you're curious about SLE, SLE stands for School of Leadership Essentials. Uh, and uh, there's a booth out there. There's an adult learner program. There's a traditional learner program. We'd love to have you get more information. It's really affordable and really education that fits, fits your lifestyle. So if you have any questions, you can, you can head out there. We're gonna jump into God's word though. If you'd be so willing to stand your feet with us this morning, we do this to respect, respect the word and to remind ourselves uh, these moments are you not coming to hear my opinion, but coming to hear God's word. And uh, I'm so grateful for Pastor Ray's leadership and Pastor Daniel. As we jump into God's word, we're here to all of us together to jump in and to step, step by step, one day at a time, learn to follow Jesus, amen. And so that's what this is about. The Holy Spirit's our teacher with the word of God. And 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 16, I'm gonna spend most of the time this morning just kind of going verse by verse uh, through this. But this is what it says. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we, therefore, were Christ's ambassadors. And though God, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray one more time. Lord, bless our time. Shape us in the image of Jesus this morning that we would look more like him, we'd be more like him, and we would understand who you're calling us to be, Lord. So Holy Spirit, come and speak. We say, speak, Lord, we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter five is awesome. We're gonna spend a lot of our time there, but I was thinking this morning or this week as I was getting ready to preach, uh, we have a, a two-year-old in our house. His name's Liam and uh, it's a lot of fun right now. He's, he's, he's a blast. Uh, you know, for, for example, when the garbage man drives down our street, it's a big deal in the Ford household, right? Like garbage man comes like, this garbage man is a celebrity in our house, right? Like, comes through, we're gonna go get his autograph soon. Like this is like, if it's like Mickey Mouse is driving this, this uh, garbage truck. It's a big deal to Liam. And, and in fact, he's in that stage right now where everything for him is cool. Everything's awesome. And so uh, we'll, we're, we're kind of going through life and doing things. And he just loves, he loves so many aspects of life. And it got me thinking this week about like when I was growing up, I don't know about you, do you remember like dreaming and thinking about doing certain things, certain careers when you were like, Growing up, like, like for me anyway, I grew up uh, on uh, like the end of VHS into the beginning of, of DVDs. Like that was like the era in which I live in, grew up in. And I was a big Mariners fan. Go Mariners, right? And so we had this, yes, there's always one big Mariners fan. It's, uh, all three services, there's been one. And, um, and so in 1995... Uh, there was like the, our claim to fame as Mariners fans, right? Like this 1995. So I'm growing up and we have this VHS of the 1995 Mariners. The only good thing we can celebrate about the Seattle Mariners was 1995, right? And so we put the VHS thing in. It kind of shared the story of that season. And so I was like, as a young person, 
I was dreaming of what it could be to be a professional baseball player, right? So I grew up as this, I was just excited to get to, to get to, you know, maybe be a professional baseball player. Then got a little older and it was like the 2001 Mariners. So it was like Brett Boone. I didn't remember Brett Boone, right? And uh, Ichiro, obviously. So I could like, I could do the, yes. Let's get like that for God's word too. That's perfect, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, like I had the Ichiro thing and then I had like the Brett Boone bat flip, you know what I'm saying? So I'm excited. Then I got a little bit older into high school and I was like, I'm not good enough to play Major League Baseball. So I was like, I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I wanna be an announcer for Major League Baseball, right? So I'm like, this, this, these dreams, these aspirations, like I could be Dave Niehaus, you know, uh, many of you guys can recount some of his stuff. It's just, it's just fun to think about. Kind of these dreams we have in our life of who we want to become. And then I ended up going to college and uh, I don't know about any of you guys that also went to college, but like some of these students up here, like I changed my major like five different times, right? I was like, I think, like I knew in my heart that the Lord was calling me to ministry, but I was like, ah, maybe I'll study counseling and, you know, the Lord shuts that door and then maybe I'll study business and then like the Lord shuts that door and then the Lord, I'm like, well, maybe I'll be a physical therapist and the Lord's like, you're not smart enough to be a physical therapist and, <laughs> and, and you know, eventually land in the ministry. And it's this idea of calling, right? Like this, this whole idea of calling who we are, what are we called to be in the world? What is God gonna use us for? Big question, is it not, right? And for most of our growing up years, we wrestle with the dreams of what we could be and then wrestling with who we're becoming in the day-to-day life and what it means for our careers, what it means for who we are. What's our personal identity? In fact, that's what I wanna talk about this morning. I wanna talk about three things. I wanna talk about who we are, who Jesus says we are. I wanna talk about our human situation, what it means to live in the world, and then how we understand who we are and what it means to live in the world, it shapes our calling. It shapes what God wants to do. And I feel like this is why 2 Corinthians is such an important passage of, of Scripture, because the, the, the church in Corinth was in a similar place than that we find ourselves in today. I've said this before, but Corinth was kind of like Las Vegas and Los Angeles coming together, right? It was a cultural epicenter with lots of idols. And we find ourselves in that same place today. We find ourselves in a society of everyone telling us who we think we should be, everyone telling us what we think we should do, everyone having an idea and an opinion about our lives. And we get so lost, maybe it's just me, but I can get so lost, probably not just me, in the loudness of how much our culture is trying to tell me. And we need to quiet ourselves a little bit study God's word and see who God says we are and what it means. I think this is important for us this, this morning. And so let's jump through uh, this passage of scripture. The first question is, is who am I? Who, who am I? Verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no, no longer. Paul's, initial, Paul's saying to the church in Corinth, there's a group of people that were expecting Jesus to be one way when he came to the earth. We talked about this through the Easter season. I think Pastor Ray, Pastor Daniel, and myself hit on this in different ways of, of when Jesus came into the world to come and save the world, people were looking for him to be a political leader or a, a warrior king, all those things. But Jesus came as, as a suffering servant to, be, to reconcile humanity to himself. And that was the way he came. He came with a different kingdom, not the kingdom of the world, with a, with a kingdom from heaven. And so Paul's saying, 
You used to regard Christ as thinking he was gonna come as this certain leader, but we know who Christ is now. We know who he really is. We know that he came once and that he will come again. And now we have a clearer picture of who Christ is. And he uses that kind of like as this example to say we do the same thing with people too sometimes. Who am I is the question. And I think sometimes, if you're anything like me, sometimes we can, we can judge people way too soon. We can get an image of who we think people are. Maybe you've been there where someone's judged you way too soon. Or, or maybe that, that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. We have at times judged a book by its cover. And I think Paul is saying, be really careful that you don't find your identity from a, from a horizontal standpoint. Don't find your identity in what people say about you or don't find your identity in what people, what you say to people. Our identity comes from a vertical standpoint. Our identity comes from who God is. In fact, our, our culture says a lot about who we should become. Our culture says, if you're wealthy, you're more important. Our culture says, if you have status, you're more significant. Our culture says, if you, if you have charisma, you're a better leader. And then there's another part of culture that says, if you're quiet and thoughtful, actually, you're the better leader. Our, our culture says, if you're better looking, a more promising future. Our culture says, younger, not qualified enough. Older, no longer qualified. The, the world has all these things. It's trying to yell and to scream at who we are and who we perceive to be. And it's loud and it's frustrating and it's confusing and it leads us in these places of wondering who am I really of all these external things and then there's the internal stuff there's your own personal questions there's the own the things that you're trying to process through in your own life you have all these loud things coming at you and then your very own self getting in the way as well you know this is kind of a side note but I think it relates to who I am you know, as a pastor, I will never counsel somebody, oh, just follow your heart. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I've, I've been counseled that in certain, like, how many know that is the worst advice you can give someone is follow your heart <laughs> or, or be who you feel because you're just gonna follow your feelings? How, many, how, do, we, how do we come to dis, ways of discernment in our lives? Number one, I believe we come to discernment through God's word. Right, we gotta be in God's word, what it says. Number two, I think we have to be open to feedback from wise mentorship. How many know we gotta be also be open to the spirit of God to speak into our circumstances and our situations? And then on top of that, I think it's really smart to ask the people that are closest to us in our community, okay, this is what I feel like God's word is saying. This is what wise mentorship has said. Now you know me best, what do you think I should do? So that way you're not following your heart, you're following God's lead, confirmed through God's word, God's spirit, and God's people this making sense this morning? And so I think, I think in our lives, we can't form ourselves based upon our feelings or based upon what our heart. The Bible says our heart's deceitful. We don't even know the desires of our own heart most of the time. Yet we're gonna try and follow it to risk our lives going in that direction. No, no, we gotta be smarter than that, church. And so as we're shaping who we are in Christ, we have to be really wise about this. And so Paul has a lot to say about who we are in Christ. In fact, this is what 2 Corinthians 5, 17, let's keep reading. He says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. This is, this is Paul. If you wanna know who you are today, it, it, it can be summarized in this statement. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you've put, given your life to Jesus, if you've prayed the prayer of salvation and not just that, but you've taken steps of discipleship, you've taken steps of saying, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. The Bible says this is your identity in Christ. 
if you can summarize who you are this morning, the most important thing about you is that you are in Christ. There, there's, this, there's this farming term, and I'm not gonna try and uh, pretend to understand it fully, but it's this term grafting. Have you heard of this before? It's like when two trees become one tree, and it's a really important thing. And it, it's like, that's the, the language that Paul is trying to help us see here. You once were alienated because of Jesus. You're in Christ now. Like you were doing your own thing, and when you put your faith in Jesus, you're in Christ. This is your identity. And this is good news because you're in Christ, and it comes with all of these amazing promises of being in Christ. In fact, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I'm gonna just share a few this morning. In Christ, the first thing, in Christ, you are adopted into God's family. I don't know what your human family is like, what it's like uh, with your own personal relationships in your family. Maybe you don't have a close family. Maybe your family's left you. Maybe you've left your family. How, how encouraging is it this morning that regardless of that, you might not, we might not be blood brothers and sisters, but we're all bought by the blood of Jesus and we're family together. And he's, and he's made his family. He's adopted us into his family. Secondly, he hasn't just, in Christ, I'm adopted. In Christ, I'm also forgiven. In Christ, I'm forgiven. I wonder if there's anyone in this room that has been beating themselves up. You've been beating yourselves up by a circumstance, by a situation, by an action. Maybe, maybe you are holding a heart of unforgiveness. Well, I think it starts by this reality of you knowing this morning, in Christ, forgiven. Like this is an identity that you get to capture, you get to hold on to. And this is the good news, is that when you realize how forgiven that you are in Christ, it gives you this great freedom to forgive other people. And how many know when you hold on to unforgiveness or bitterness, who's the real person that's in, in chains? It's you, right? The person you're holding a grudge against, the person that you're holding unforgiveness against, they may not even know you hold those things. So you're the one that's feeling that. And I don't, I don't wanna have you pretend to think that if you just forgive someone, it's just like life gets easier. But I would challenge you to think if you have heart of unforgiveness, how can the Lord work in you that so you can be freed from that and you can move on in who God's calling you to be? In Christ, I'm adopted, I'm forgiven. How about this one? I'm set free in Christ. Like there's this freedom that's available to us in Christ, I'm delighted in. Like, like God doesn't just put up with us this morning. <laughs> like he's like, oh, there's Taylor. I guess I created him. I guess he's my son. <laughs> you know? Like that's not God's heart for us. God's like, all right, there's those people again. No, no, no. God is so proud that we're his sons and his daughters. This scripture in Zephaniah, it says, it says that he sings over us. He, he's, he loves, he doesn't just love us, he likes us. And he likes being in relationship with us. I think that's good news. I think sometimes we think God is like this, he's distant, he's not available. No, God wants to be available to you and he wants to be in relationship with you. We're delighted and this is who we are in Christ. Uh, how about this one, washed clean, that your, your sins, your brokenness, your failures, the blood of Jesus washes you clean. How about this one, you're wonderfully made. You are an accident, and this scripture in Psalms, it, it's David giving this idea that the Lord has like knitted you together in your mother's womb. I don't know if any of you do knitting. I don't, but I've seen people that do. It's really intentional, intentional and it's meticulous and it's careful. That's how God created you. He created you thoughtfully and he thought about you and how he wanted to use you. And he made, he made you wonderfully made. He made you beautiful. He made you incredible. This is how God designed you thoughtfully. This is who we are in Christ. In Christ, I'm secured in my future. 
That's an important one. How many of us are anxious this morning? Don't raise your hand, but man, gosh, like God says, your future's secured in Christ. You're righteous, you're a saint. These are all of the things that are promised to us in Christ. I love what 1 John chapter 3, verse one says. It says, see what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Yes, that's who we are. That's his good news. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, we're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, to do good, to do good works. Colossians chapter three, verse three says this, for you died and your life is now hidden. Everyone say hidden. <laughs> hidden in Christ. So all the promises, you've been grafted into the vine that is Christ and all these things are yours. Like what do I have to do to, re- to receive them? What do I have to do to get it? Be attached to the vine. And this is who God, this is who God says you are. So, this is who God says you are. That's your identity. Now, now I want to ask this question. Based upon all of that, what does our human situation mean? Because our identity is, is amazing. It's incredible. We need to focus on those things. But I think it gets power in our lives when we truly understand our human situation. And this is what I mean by that. Our human situation is the problem of sin in our lives. Is, is, is the reality that we live in a broken world, there's a broken foundation, and it's not just the things that we do that are sins, it's the very thing that is wrong with us as human beings and that the nature of sin is within us. Is this making any sense this morning? And where who I am in Christ gets power, catch this, is when you can grapple with the reality of your human situation. You see, we deal with sin in a lot of ways. I, I wrote down a few we deal with sin uh, by, by attempting to live on this like straight and narrow path. And we look at others and we post on social media and we make our lives look perfect. And we say, look how good my life is. And you kind of have this try harderism to make yourself look really, really good in front of other people. And you just ignore the entire problem of sin in your life and just kind of, you mask it like it's not there. And how many know that's just not true? <laughs> right, in our lives. But we try and do that sometimes. How we deal with sin is we just try and live our lives, look how perfect I am. Number two, I think we deal with sin by, by maybe making this excuse. Oh, I just serve an audience of one. Like, it doesn't matter what happens down in my life because I know God will, will forgive me. Hear me really carefully. How many of you know God will forgive you, amen? Like, uh, he, he will forgive you. But he does call us in James chapter five. He says, confess your sins to one another, and then you'll be healed. And sometimes we live our life being like, oh, no one else needs to know because me and God know. And that's a great first step, but I do believe that he puts Christians and brothers and sisters in our lives, not so that we can share our stuff so that we get judged or we get condemned. No, actually we can share our stuff. The Bible says it this way, we, we, we carry each other's burdens. So like you share the stuff in your life, I share the stuff in my life, and now the burden isn't just on you, the burden is on a whole community of people that you're walking with together and finding freedom, right? I think we deal with sin sometimes by this audience of one mentality, or, or this one, I think this is a big one. We deal with sin by saying this phrase, well, God's just gonna forgive me anyway. And so it doesn't matter if I, if I sin or if I do that thing that I know breaks the heart of God because I know he's gonna forgive me. This is what Bonhoeffer, a great theologian, he calls this cheap grace, that you cheapen the grace and the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross for you and for me, and you say, oh, well, 
He, di- he died for me and you, you totally discount what that sacrifice really meant to God the Father and God the Son and you live your life kind of just, just really casually and, and, and I think none of those three ways are happy, are, are good ways for us to deal with our, with our sin. How do we deal with our sin? Because there is a sin problem and I don't think I have to spend that long persuading us as you look at your own life, as you look at the world, as you look at this place, that there, in this place called earth, that there is a sin problem and this is why Paul says, all of this is from God who reconciled us through Christ. So there is a sin problem and the promise is that Christ has reconciled us. There's, there's a perfect, holy, righteous God. There's the sin problem and then there's us. And that sin separates us from God and Jesus comes and he becomes the bridge by which we can be in relationship and reconciled unto God. Now go with me. Why is this important this morning? Because who we are in Christ, who God says we are, and the problem of sin gets power of who we are in Christ. When we acknowledge this and we acknowledge these things in our life and our human situation, we can find the power in who we are in Christ. For example, you're here this morning and you're stuck in addiction. That's human situation. You're maybe stuck in addiction and I can name a number of them. I won't, I won't do them. But if you're here this morning and you say this phrase, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Who are you? I am freed in Christ. That's where transformation can begin to happen in your life. Because you acknowledge your human situation, you acknowledge your identity in Christ, and now you can start taking steps forward towards freedom because you know this addiction is not who I am. I am free. That's who Jesus wants me to be. How about this? You're insecure today? You're worried today? You you can say this phrase, yeah, but that's not who I am. Who am I? freed in Christ. Who am I? Secure in Christ. See, this is important. See, we get this wholeness in our lives. When we understand our human situation and we understand who we are in Christ, we can begin to become whole. And and it's this, there's this phrase that is going to come up on the screen. Wholeness comes to my life when I can take who I am in Christ, apply it to my human situation in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So you can live a a whole life knowing your identity knowing your human situation and allowing the Holy Spirit to partner with you to take where the lies are and to bring truth. Is this making sense to anyone this morning? (laughs) I hope so, I hope so. And I also want you to know this morning that this is not easy. I don't wanna pretend that this morning is just just a simple thing. It's like, I wrote down a few things. It's like a a road trip, not an airplane trip. Like it's a journey, not like just a quick flight. It's, a, it's more like a crock pot than an Instacooker. <laughs> like you kind of have to let the promises of God and the truth of God shape you and form you and not just like put it in there and 10 minutes later it's ready, right? Uh, it's more like a, a Traeger, not a Weber. <laughs> it's more like a, a long all day roast instead of just a burger on the Traeger in 10, or on the Weber in 10 minutes, right? It's if this, this is hard. This is, this is why it's hard. Because we have the whole human situation thing. We have ourselves that gets in the way sometimes. We have an entire culture that is trying to bombard us with who it's trying to get us to become. And then there's a very real enemy of our soul who does not want you to step into who God's calling you to be. And he will, he will lie to you he will deceive you. He will trick you. This is the only things he's got in his tool belt. 
He'll lie to you, he'll trick you, and he'll deceive you. He'll make things look as if they were, even though they're not. Did you catch that? Here's another way of saying. He'll make things, he'll make, he'll, he'll take a lie and he'll wrap it with just a little bit of truth to get you to bite. And then you'll think it's true. This is the enemy of our soul. This is why it's complicated. And so we, we build our lives built upon lies of our lives. And, and God is saying, that's not who you are. And you can step into the promises of God, but the enemy of our soul, he wants to trick us. This is, this is difficult. This is hard. It's not easy work. But I promise you, as you do, you'll become more like the person of Jesus. And that is our calling. In fact, the third thing I want to say, we talked about who I am, the implications of my human situation. The third thing I want us to just to, to wrestle with as we close this morning is there's this invitation to embrace God's calling on my life. Because when you know who you are and you start living in freedom in your human situation, it's from there that you get to step into calling. It's from there that you get to step in and not just step into a calling because you feel like it, step into calling because you know that's what God has for you. Because you've experienced this freedom in your own personal life. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the end of this passage says, and all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Are you guys all out there, by the way? Make sure you're with me. Okay through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, verse 19, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. He has counted to us the message of reconciliation. So we therefore are Christ, Christ's ambassadors. Catch that. We're Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled unto God. In other words, God's saying, know who you are, Begin to find freedom in your life by, by living into those truths and then I'm gonna send you out into the world. And what will the world see? Christ in you. The world will see you taking on the very image of Christ. Like this is our call, right church? Our call is that we would know who God says we are because that's who Jesus is. Like, like you're not putting on character traits this morning, you're putting on Christ. The old has gone and the new has come this morning. And, and you get to step into this new identity. What's the new identity? The person of Christ in your life. That, that when you come into salvation, you get born again and there's this seed gets planted in your soul that you're called to water, that you're called to be more like, you're called to nourish. And, and the seed grows into this, this as, you're, as you're abiding with Christ, as you're grafted to the vine that is Christ, you're becoming this beautiful person, this amazing person that looks more like not the world, not more like you, more like Christ. And this is your calling. So that when you're at work and there's something that used to just make you so angry and you used to get frustrated about, and maybe it was a petty thing, but it was like your pet peeve, right? We have all got pet peeves, right? And, and, and you know that it wasn't right the way that you reacted to people based upon that. So you, you go to God's word and you say, well, God says... I can take on the fruit of his Holy Spirit. And what's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Patience. So I become, through the Holy Spirit, more like the person of Christ. I spent time in God's word. Maybe I've confessed. Sometimes I deal with anger. Sometimes I deal with frustration. And then you step into that same situation and all of your coworkers are expecting you to react a certain way. But guess what? You don't. And they're shocked. <laughs> and you say, why? It's Christ in me. I've become more like the person of Christ. The old, the old tailor, gone. 
the new Taylor is becoming every day, the invitation to a journey, step by step, taking one more step towards Christ every single day, looking more like him in my life. So this is, this is our calling. You might say, well, Taylor, am I called to work at Boeing, Amazon, Microsoft, this coffee shop down the street? Am I called to stay at home with my kids? And we could sit and we could talk and we can pray. And I don't know if I could discern for you what exactly you're supposed to do. But this is what I promise is all of our calling together. All of our calling together is to become more like Christ, to know who we are, to wrestle with our human situation, to come to the points of our brokenness, to, to compare them to who God says we are, and then to step into the fruit of us becoming more like the person of Jesus. That's our calling. And as you do that, the specific callings will get more meaningful. Because you, you might feel called to go to Amazon, but that's great because now you're Jesus at Amazon. You might feel called to go to REI, and that's great because you're Jesus at REI. Like you're like, take me anywhere because I'm gonna be the person of Christ wherever I go. This is who he's calling us to be. So what do we do with this? Two, two simple invitations for you this morning. First one I would encourage and challenge you is this invitation of scripture memorization and meditation. I would encourage you, that word meditate, I know it can be confusing sometimes. The word meditate in the Bible just means to chew on. So like when you wake up in the morning and you're eating your bagel and your coffee and you're chewing on your bagel, take some scriptures and chew on the word of God too. Think about it, meditate on it. We have lost the art in the American church and I am raising my hand as the first one that needs to grow in this. We've lost the art of scripture memorization. And why is this important? I know like growing up, I went to Christian school and like my, we'd be driving to school and my mom would always make me memorize verses. And it felt like a chore as a fourth grader, right? Like, like okay, mom, yes, here's the, but as a 29 year old, do you know how thankful I am that I have God's word? In fact, I love what John 15 says. It says this, if you remain in me, and what's it say? My words, Jesus' words, the word of God. So if, you, if, you're, if you're attached to the vine, you're grafted into the vine and that those words, they're in you, they're, they're memorized in your soul, that's when you'll bear fruit in your life. So we've gotta, we've, gotta, we've gotta download God's word in our life. Why? Because when the world comes to try and tell you who they think you are, you might not have time to go find that in the scripture somewhere, but it's in your heart. So the, the Holy Spirit has something to work with. And the Holy Spirit can say, yeah, remember that? thing you memorize, that scripture in, in Romans, that scripture in John, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind. That's why it's important to memorize scripture. Here's the, the second thing I would encourage you with. It's this invitation into balanced rhythms of being and doing. I think you should ask, we talked about new creation this morning, becoming who God's called us to be. Are the rhythms of my life drawing me into new creation, who God's calling me to be, taking steps of the invitation of Christ? Or are the rhythms of my life drawing me away from Christ, looking more like the world? And I think we have to get to this place of reflection of, is my life balanced and that I'm being with Christ and then I'm doing for Christ? I'm being with Christ, then I'm doing for Christ. If that gets unbalanced, you're, that's how you lead to burnout. That's how you get tired. That's when you start believing the lies. That's when you forget who you really are. So my invitation is maybe take these scriptures, all those things I, I said about who you are in Christ, I put scriptures and they're in your notes. Maybe each day this week, you just take one of those scriptures and you reflect on who God says you are. 
And then, honest evaluation. The journey, the invitation to the journey, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So there's gonna be times we have to withdraw, there's gonna be times we have to reflect, and there's times that we press forward. So the balance of, of being and doing in our lives, amen? Along with this, and then we're gonna sing one more song. My uh, two-year-old son, he's kind of in that phase of he likes everything right now. So he has a guitar, he has a, like, he, has, he loves coming to church and playing guitar with the worship team. Uh, he loves, he has a drum set. Uh, he's got an electric one and then he's got a, a real one. We're gonna take the real one up to Nana and Papa's house really soon. Um, and uh, no, but got a real one. He's got a baseball bat. He's got all the things. And, and I love going to him right now and say, Liam, you're such a good guitar player. He's like, Yes, I am, Dad. I'm a great guitar player. <laughs> Liam, you're so good at baseball. Yeah, Daddy, I'm good at baseball. Liam, do you know that you're so funny? Yeah, I'm so funny. <laughs> and he's just so content right now being, being Liam, being Dad's son, being Mom's son. He's so content. Like our house, we were, we were these people. We we're like, we're, we're never gonna be those people that have toys in every room in our house. <laughs> Before we had kids, we're like, our house is just gonna have like one place for toys and the rest of it. How many know now our entire house is Liam's playground, right? <laughs> That's like a stuff in the living room, the dining room, the bathroom, all the things. <laughs> it's like, um, but he just loves being Liam. He loves playing with his stuff. He's, he's content with being mom and dad's son living in, mom and dad's house. Friends, church, we're sons and daughters of the living God living in his playground, living in his world. What's, this, what's he want from us? Know who we are? Live into those identities of who he says we are? Oh, and then just embrace the invitation to the journey of faith and the journey of taking steps each and every day. And your, your life feel a little bit boring this morning? Oh, just find out who you are, believe who you are, start taking steps of faith. It'll be the greatest adventure of your life, you watch. And God's great kingdom, God's great world that he's calling us to step into and to bring the kingdom of heaven from, earth, from heaven into earth. This is our call this morning. Would you stand? We're gonna sing one more song this morning. Let's sing this together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.